0: Well, I have to tell you about something that's going to happen next week, which is quite a momentous event for me. Uh, it is an experience, I think, or it feels like it's going to be an experience of vulnerability. For the first time in 23 years, I will be entrusting my hair to someone different. Uh, I, I don't know, guys, maybe you can't relate to this so much, but I think for us girls, that's quite a momentous to do, but I I have on, I've been assured that the person I'm going to is is very capable, so I'm very, very glad about that. But seriously, I have been thinking a lot about vulnerability lately. Uh, Initially from a very self-focused perspective, as I realized very shortly after arriving here that I was actually feeling quite vulnerable. My husband and I have pulled up our roots, we've left our family and our friends. Uh, we've come to a new province. I've started a new position. And we, what really, I think, leaves us feeling vulnerable is that we are in a place where no one really knows us deeply and where we don't know anyone deeply yet. And that does leave one feeling somewhat vulnerable. But I've also been thinking about vulnerability in a less self-focused way. Uh, I felt like I couldn't help but think about it with. A lot of the events that we've heard in the news this past month, all of those hurricanes that have caused such devastation in the Caribbean and in the States, the earthquake in Mexico, the attacks this past weekend in Las Vegas and Edmonton. Uh, It is events like these and sort of a combined and and sort of a barrage of these events that I think serve as reminders that in a very fundamental way we are vulnerable we have accomplished a lot in uh, at least certainly in Canada and some other countries around the world in terms of establishing a good rule of law and we've made many technological advancements that have served to mitigate our essential vulnerability but the fact remains that we are a vulnerable people we are finite we are mortal we are Fragile. I was reminded of this and, in a sense, glad to be reminded of this every day that I worked at the hospice. Um, I would see people, sometimes very, very young people, sometimes people who had done everything right, riddled with cancer or devastated by some other kind of disease. I think of one woman in particular, she literally had done everything right. She was a faithful Christian. Her family and she were praying people, she was a part of a praying congregation. She ate healthy foods every day of her life. She was a letter carrier, which meant she walked about 18 kilometers a day, so she got way more exercise than most of us. And yet her body was riddled with cancer at a relatively very young age. So what are we to do with this fact? with the fact of our vulnerability? Is there a way that we can live gracefully and live fruitfully in the midst of this? I maybe want to say uh, just a little bit about vulnerability as a word. It's a, a relatively new word to the English language, having only really come into usage since about uh, the early 1800s. Um, but it has become more popular in recent years, and some of you might know the name Brene Brown. She is a social worker by training who has done research into human connection, and she has really brought talk of vulnerability into the mainstream in recent years. So she found through her research uh, that the experience of vulnerability often, which which, and essentially vulnerability is that um, sense that we are, uh, uh, where, where did I put that? I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, Anyway, vulnerability has to do with being easily open to physical or emotional attack or harm. That's sort of the technical definition for it. She found that vulnerability often leads to a sense of fear, an experience of shame, and tends to serve as the root of all disconnection in human relationships. However, she also found that vulnerability proves to be the indispensable ingredient in true, healthy, rich, deep, authentic, loving relationship. So vulnerability is both the root of disconnection and the root of authentic connection. And more than this, she found, and this is going to be no surprise, I think, to any of us, that most of us, if not all of us, have a strong, innate desire to try to cover up our vulnerability, to hide it, to numb the experience of it, to somehow shut it, shut down our experience of it, and or, if we can't do that, to find someone to blame for it. Now, I don't know about you, but all of that seems to be rather reminiscent to me of Adam and Eve's experience in the garden after the fall. They sought to cover themselves up, to hide the reality of their nakedness from themselves and from God. And when that didn't work, they... Blamed the problem on one another and on the serpent. you are vulnerable people. And how are we going to respond to this? Will we let it lead us into disconnection and shame and fear? Or will we let it lead us into deeper and more authentic relationships with ourselves, with others, and with God? I think our passage has something to say to us about this. And I want to think first about the woman. Uh, The woman who was crippled for 18 years, bent over, unable to stand up. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, um, it sounds simple in one way, but it strikes me as being a terrible, terrible affliction. It would be hard to do anything while bent over. It would be hard to talk to people. It would be hard to provide for yourself, hard to cook for yourself hard to protect yourself, hard to see what's going on around you. I can only imagine that that would leave one feeling quite vulnerable. And more than that, I suspect that she was probably in pain. And pain, uh, as I learned from my experience at the hospice, definitely leaves us feeling vulnerable. And yet, despite this affliction... Despite her vulnerability, this woman came out of her house. It was probably a lot more comfortable lying on her bed, but she came out of her house. She chose to be seen. She made an effort to be a part of her community, her synagogue. I realize I may be pressing a point to sort of look at this woman and to, to suggest that she was perhaps feeling vulnerability. Uh, I'm imposing a modern word uh, on an ancient story. Uh, but it seems to me that she probably experienced a tremendous amount of vulnerability. Um, it may have felt like weakness to her, this abduction. But I think to you and I, as we look at it from this end of things, look at her efforts to come out into the community, to be a part of the, the congregation, as requiring a tremendous amount of strength and a tremendous amount of courage. What may have felt like weakness to her speaks to us of courage and strength. We may not have a physical affliction, we might. Whether we do or not, I suspect that many of us, if not all of us, have something about us that leaves us feeling vulnerable. Something that we try to keep hidden and covered because we don't want to appear weak. It could be anything. It may be that we don't read as fast as we think we ought to. That can be a pretty vulnerable thing in an academic environment. It may be that we don't feel we're being a good enough parent right now. It may be that we feel like we're not outgoing enough. It may be that we don't feel smart enough. It may be that there's something about our bodies that we don't feel comfortable with. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we have a choice about how we will respond to this. We can choose to try to hide it and cover it up, hide it from ourselves, from others, maybe even try to hide it from God. Or we can consider the possibility of bringing our vulnerability out into the light, acknowledging it to ourselves, of acknowledging it to God, and of perhaps even acknowledging it to others whom we trust. Just a word here. I think it's important to always share our vulnerabilities with those we trust. It's not about just sharing everything, kind of carte blanche, but sharing it with people that we trust. And I suspect that if we dare to do this, we will find that what we perceived to be a weakness will actually be transformed into a gift. And that what others will see in us as we share is not weakness, but courage and honesty and love and grace. Daring to share our vulnerability is a kind of self-sacrifice. It's a kind of losing ourself in order to find ourselves, Even though it feels uncomfortable, Being willing to share our vulnerability deepens our relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves, and it facilitates um, around us the growth of generosity, compassion, creativity, and love. It just simply does. So that's the woman. Um, I want to turn now to Jesus and his uh, example, I think, of vulnerability. We see in Jesus a willingness to be touched by this woman's pain and her suffering. And I would want to suggest that this too is a kind of vulnerability. We cannot be touched by someone else's pain when we're trying to protect ourselves from it. We can only be touched by it when we are open to it, when we allow ourselves to become vulnerable. And in a sense, allow ourselves to take that person's pain into ourselves in a way that it touches us and moves us. Jesus was touched by this woman's pain. And as a result, he couldn't help but reach out to her and to offer to her the gift of God's love and healing that he had to offer. While we, as ministers of Christ, are called to be touched by the pain of others, we are called to be vulnerable in this way like Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus could reach out and touch this woman and bring her healing. What on earth is it that we have to offer? I think if we are honest, we might have to admit that there are times when we protect ourselves from the pain and vulnerability of others because we don't want to be touched by it, not because we don't want to help, but because. It brings us to a point of realizing that when it comes down to it, we have precious little to really be able to offer, to alleviate another person's pain. And this is an experience of vulnerability, having to come to terms with our powerlessness. But even that experience of vulnerability can be a gift, depending on how we respond to it if we seek to cover up our powerlessness, our fear of having nothing to offer, if we seek to hide it, and if we seek to maybe put our best foot forward to sort of bolster whatever efforts we think we can come up with, if we seek in a way to sort of increase ourselves, we'll actually, I think, end up being less of a gift than we would have liked to have been. And the witness of Christ in us will be decreased. But if on the other hand we welcome our vulnerability, we welcome the fact of our fundamental powerlessness apart from God, if we acknowledge it to ourselves and acknowledge it to God and acknowledge our utter need of God and of His work in this, if we allow ourselves to decrease then the witness of Christ will increase And we will find God making use of our powerlessness as a gift to bring his power to bear in another's life. There's more I could say about this. I think it would be really interesting if we had time to take a look at the leader of the synagogue and his experience of vulnerability. Um, I think we see in this story an account of someone who felt extremely vulnerable, Because Jesus came and challenged his deeply embedded theological beliefs. And I think one of the things we need to consider is that Jesus continues to come to us today and continues to challenge our deeply embedded theological beliefs. And we maybe need to think about how we're going to respond to that experience of vulnerability when it comes. But I'll leave that one for now. Let me tell you the irony about what I'm sharing with you today. Uh, I realized yesterday afternoon that I was working really hard to try to come up with the perfect words to put into this sermon. In part because I wanted to be able to convey the, the exact meaning that I wanted to convey, but in reality I had to look at myself and go, Oh, Dorothy, you're trying to be perfect, aren't you? You're trying to minimize your sense of vulnerability. So that's a way of saying, I do not like being vulnerable either. I struggle with it. I suspect we all struggle with it. I think it's part of the human condition since the fall. So here's the good news. The Christ we follow, the God we worship, the kingdom we have been born into and that we have inherited in Christ is marked and shaped by vulnerability. Our God, our majestic God, our God who is Lord of all, our victorious God, is a vulnerable God who chose and who chooses again and again to be moved and touched and impacted and implicated by our pain and our suffering. Our God is a God who manifests power not in strength, but in weakness. We need not be ashamed of our vulnerabilities because we serve a God who welcomes them in love. And who makes his power perfect in our weakness. <coughs> and here's a word of challenge. The Christian faith is not a faith that saves us from our vulnerability. It is a faith that calls us to live deeper and deeper every day into it. I think sometimes we can look to our faith to try and make us feel strong, to try and take away those feelings of weakness. But that's not what Christianity is about. Because to draw near to Christ and to draw near, to grow deeper into Christ, is to grow deeper into the one who is vulnerability personified. Think Philippians 2. The one who is willing to be so touched by our pain and our suffering, that he was willing to let it put him to death. Growing deeper into Christ does not mean becoming less vulnerable. It means becoming more vulnerable, because that's who God is, and that's how God works, bringing grace and gift and healing into this world, not apart from our weakness, but through it.